and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so, you know, on Friday, my parents, I'm from Nebraska originally. My parents were in town. Right. Um, I even told them, like, oh, I don't know if this is a good time to be. But my dad was there for a conference. And so mm-hmm. um, they understand, like, I'm going to be on my phone sometimes for work reasons. So I am at Alcatraz doing a tour of, you know, the old prison right. with my parents. And I'm just texting, like, bunch of people trying to figure out like what is is going on and i even texted somebody for within the warriors uh organization i was like okay if if a if a player is to fail their physical you know how how long do you have to decide what to do next and they it was just a 72 hour window after the call uh trade call which Mm -hmm. would have been you know after the trade thursday yeah because it was like it was like thursday evening that all four of the teams send out the press releases so that's that happens after the call goes through and the paperwork goes through with the league office so yeah yeah. they always say like on trade deadline because so much movement happens the league office kind of gets a little log jam and that's why um it was maybe later than Mm -hmm. noon our time yeah um but so I'm, i'm asking people about it and even after the athletic report came out, I had a few people on background uh, just kind of say, you know, just be careful about what you use from that report. Uh, that the three months seemed a little bit overestimated. He had just played the night before the trade. And, so, and he had and, played. So he, he missed the three games on like, so he, he played the first game against Detroit. He missed yeah. the three games on the next road trip with an ankle injury that was not related to the core surgery. And then he played 14 out of the 16 games between then and the trade and he was fine and there was never he was on the injury report a couple times with other stuff but he was never on the injury report with the core injury so clearly he was you know healthy enough to like yeah well and that and that's what when we talked when we finally talked to Bob Myers after this all went through Bob Myers said that they were just the, the consensus was the Warriors were caught off guard that he was still dealing with some part of this core injury, which mm-hmm. they didn't find out until the physical because he had played 14 out of the last 16 games because he had played 22 minutes the night before against the Warriors before the trade deadline. So that's, that's more so where they were caught off guard. I, I asked Bob Myers if he um, was aware that Gary needed this surgery last summer, you know, in the off season. And he kind of said he what it, he wasn't necessarily privy to him needing it um, and didn't know that he was, going to get it mm-hmm. um but i think from the warriors perspective is they use that 72 hour window to try to figure out what is their best course of action it seemed like at that point they were going to go through the trade regardless of the failure. <laughs> i mean the night before the I trade mean, went through he was sitting with bob myers and mike dunleavy at the game wearing a warriors sweatshirt so yes like, i'm yes. sure they were thinking really really hard about voiding the trade if that was how what was happening yes and i even saw some uh, some pistons beat reporters ask james wiseman about it and he said he was super confident the trade was going to go in even you think? though it was in limbo i mean 
Also, put yourself in James Wiseman's shoes. Would you want to go back to a team that you weren't playing on and weren't afforded opportunities that has already showed their willingness to part ways with you? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just would have been a really messy situation. It's super overall. awkward, both for his from his end and from Gary Payton's end, where yeah. you know you do this trade and then like. Yeah, everybody's just going to welcome him back with open arms, and he's going to be happy to go back there after this trade. Like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's not usually how this how this stuff works. Uh, well, in general, too, with the reunion of Gary Payton II, like, you've seen how excited the Warriors are to have him back. You uh-huh. know, a bunch of players have said, you know, how how important he was to last season's obviously title run, but just in general how much they enjoy him. There's been a lot of, you know, hugging and smiles and – Sunshine he was pretty. He was pretty friendly with all the Warriors guys at that game the During day before the, game, the deadline. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where where it stands now. Um, I I'm sure you got the same thing that we got from Bob Myers. Just they can't really speak about the investigation yeah. or the allegations for legal reasons. It's up to the off, the league office right now. Um, it's unclear how long the investigation or the review of the Warriors complaint will take. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of a waiting game at this point, both for a waiting game for the Warriors to figure out when Gary Payton will be back, when S- Steph Curry will be back, when they'll have actually a healthy roster, um, and also figuring out if there will be any ramifications against the Portland, um, or if their claims are found to be validated. I wonder if maybe if, at some point, I wonder if there's even going to be any kind of not you know, ramifications for Portland, but I wonder if there are going to be ramifications for Golden State, just for the mm-hmm. public nature of this whole... I mean, I, the, there's a few parts of this that haven't really sat well with me, just as somebody who's been reporting on this whole thing and observing this whole thing. One was the, you know, the 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 idea that they were injecting him with Toradol, which first of all, for those of you who don't know, and I will admit that I fully didn't understand this until, like, I don't have a super, you know, advanced knowledge of, like, these sorts of drugs or these sorts of anti-inflammatories. Toradol is basically, like, higher-strength ibuprofen. It's not like they were injecting him with some steroid and just or some, like, super, like, opioid painkiller and saying, hey, go out there and play. And then once it comes out later that he actually was getting the Toradol orally and not as an injection. Like, Toradol as a pill is a lot more common and a lot lower dosage usually than a shot, and it's also not localized. So basically, they were just, like, giving him extra-strength ibuprofen to help manage the pain, which is not anything nefarious, and I'm sure not anything that's uncommon, but the way that it was worded, and I think a lot of the language that was used was basically trying to be inflammatory about like, wow, they're shooting him up and having him go out there and play. And I think a lot of that was kind of intentional on different people's part to try to make this seem like it was some big scandal or that the Blazers Mm -hmm. were doing something nefarious. So that part didn't really. Yeah. And I I was talking to a like sports medicine doctor about Uh it. Who's very familiar with Toro, both injections and oral oral tablets Uh tablets and he said that it's something that you normally only get post-op and Uh it's not really it's you have to be prescribed to get it um it's not really something that they would have you take at home if they did it would be in short dosages just because it can have 
you know, major effects with the stomach and with other organs. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that you want to take long-term or would be recommended to take long-term. And so I think that's kind of where the hangup is with all of this was obviously there was some misinformation that was spread um, that, and some serious allegations that were put out there. Um, and we still don't know how much, what the dosage was, how often he was taking, you know, even the tablets and stuff like that. So there's still a lot of unknowns with this situation. Um, even even the injury that um, Gary Payton II has is a little uh, unclear because when we asked Bob Myers, is this stemming from the surgery he had this offseason, Bob didn't say yes or no. He just said he wasn't going to, you know, speculate on how he got this injury. So it's un, you know, one might assume it's linked to the surgery, but it could also be something different or, you know, he just re-injured it. So a lot of, it's, it's definitely a weird situation, definitely hard to report on just because there is so much unknown. And there was a lot of, you know, anonymous sources that were, you know, used and it just kind of complicates things when you're trying to get, the full story. Yeah. And so in the process of kind of writing this all up and reporting on it and kind of putting the timeline together, I went back and I looked at, cause I still have all of my notes from practice and different stuff I've transcribed, basically going back to training camp mm-hmm. and repeatedly from, you know, September when camp started to when he actually started playing just every single time that Chauncey Billups was, or any of the players were asked about it they all every single time said, you know, we're trying to be really cautious with this. We don't want him to come back before he's ready. And, you know, Chauncey has talked about, you know, as a former player, I know what it's like to have to be asked to play hurt. And so as a coach, I never want to do that to a player. Mm-hmm. And so that stuff is all on record and it's all pretty consistent. And I had also heard, and I had actually, if you go back and read stuff I've written, I had been reporting at the time while, you know, maybe in like November or December or whenever, you know, they were waiting for him to come back. I had been saying and hearing and writing consistently that the medical staff had cleared him, but it was the final decision of when he played was up to him. When he came back and told them he was ready to play, they were going to let him play Mm -hmm. and they were comfortable with him playing, but they weren't going to tell him to play if he didn't want to play. And then the night that he actually did make his return against Detroit on January 2nd, Chauncey said that he was going to be on a minutes restriction. He ended up playing about 13 minutes that night. And Gary said after the game, he was asked about the minutes restriction. He said, yeah, I'm on a minutes restriction, but I told Chauncey that I don't care about a minutes restriction. If he wants me to play more minutes, I'm happy to play more minutes. So this is, I mean, it could be different behind the scenes, but just going on what's on the record and what everybody here has said on the record, it sure doesn't sound like he was being forced to do anything that he didn't want to do or wasn't comfortable doing. And if anything they were maybe overly cautious with him and, you know, he maybe took more time coming back than you would expect him to come back to. I think that's so the, th- the, th- the thing that bothers me, I think, about this whole situation is that the Blazers medical staff now is under this microscope for how they handled his injury mm-hmm. when I don't know if there are really, and, and, you know, this also just kind of like, it messes with people's livelihoods, especially if like, 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 like it would be one thing if they actually were doing anything nefarious or they were like 
shooting players up with painkillers and saying, hey, go out there and play. Like, it would be one, like, that would, that stuff is, like, that's pretty serious stuff if they were actually doing that. That stuff would honestly probably be fireable. But from everything we know and everything I've heard and everything that has kind of come out since this report came out, none of that stuff was going on. And, but still the Blazers medical staff is kind of being scrutinized and, you know, they're, they're two head athletic trainers. Jeff Clark is one of them. He's been there forever, and I've never really heard a negative thing about him. And then Jessica Cohen is their head athletic trainer who – I don't know her that well. Like, I, I try I try to stay away from talking to trainers because like, it's kind of hard to talk to them without them feeling like they're, like, getting into HIPAA stuff. So I kind of try to mm-hmm. keep my distance from them. So I don't know her that well. I know her basically enough to say hi, but that's about it. But, you know – she is, I feel bad for her because she is the only woman with that job in the NBA. And she was really put under a microscope by this whole situation. And if anything had happened, like her career is probably over. But from the sound of it, she, you know, they didn't do anything improper. And I'll say this too. I was talking to a couple days ago, an agent for another player on the Blazers who has been here for a few years and has had a few different injuries that he's dealt with that have kept him out for, you know, long periods of time while he's been here. And this agent told me that not only has the way that the Blazers have handled his injuries been totally above board and totally by the book the whole time and they had zero issues with it, but also that he would, when when it comes to the they didn't disclose this to the Warriors part of it. This agent also told me that he would put Joe Cronin at or near the top of GMs that he's dealt with as far as communication and transparency. And then you also you saw the same night that GP2 was where, was you know at the game with Bob Myers wearing the Warriors sweatshirt, Josh Hart, who just got traded yeah. to, New, to New York from here after his first game with the Knicks, he was up on the podium for his pre post game press conference. And after he was done talking about the game or talking about the Knicks or whatever, he stayed at the podium and said, I just want to say that the Portland organization is a class act and it's a great organization in the front office and the medical staff are great. Like he didn't, ha- nobody asked him about it, but, and I don't know exactly why he felt like he had to say that, but I think it's probably fair to assume that at least part of it was he heard kind of this speculation about how they handled GP. And by the way, Josh Hart is a guy who, played through all kinds of stuff like ankle mm-hmm. like like not anything serious but just like little stuff like ankle stuff he was playing through stuff but he's the type of guy who like wants to play through anything and if and, and you know if anything there were a couple times this season where Josh wanted to play through something and the medical staff was like no 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 you can't you're not playing through this and so i think between you know what i heard from that agent and Josh Hart just going out of his way to say hey the Portland organization does everything properly and does everything by the book it sure seems like there's an effort by a lot of people involved, and I think rightly so, to make sure that people don't have this perception of their medical staff that might be out there from, you know, the some of the reporting from other places well, about I, this whole I, thing. I also think big picture, too, it's not a good look for Portland in general. Once Peyton's physical was, he failed his physical. Right. And uh, the Warriors filed a complaint about it saying that there was or alleging that there was pertinent medical information that wasn't released right. to them and pre that that is a sign of broken trust and mm-hmm. i think other teams would look at that and then maybe be wary of making a trade with portland down the line um if this is found to be the case you know so i think 
I think it it's it's definitely a tricky situation. I think people going on like Josh Hart coming out and speaking about Portland and um, just the way that people have been talking about Portland in the aftermath of it, you know, it shows that there is like players that play there really tend to enjoy playing there. Um, and so I think it's just kind of, like I said, it's a waiting game to see like what actually the league finds, if anything, you know, with the allegations. Do you have any sense of how long that's going to take? I don't, unfortunately. I asked a few people and they all said, they all just kind of shrugged their shoulders at me. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's do a little bit of actual basketball stuff now. Cause, oh, yeah. Because like, you know, <laughs> the Warriors, you know, Steph obviously going to be out for a while. Yeah. Uh, 